hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Saladcast for this season with myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined by Ollie Warner. How are you, Ollie? Hi, Glenn. I'm good, thanks. Good, good. And I'm joined in the front room again by Adrian Plimmer, who returns, uh, I think it's maybe your second appearance of the season, and, and we were just discussing that things have changed since the last time you came on, which was just before Askey got sacked. So, yeah. There's a lot happened since then. Yeah, a hell of a lot have happened, isn't it? Yeah, good to good to be here, guys. Good to speak to you. Good, good. And we got aid back, didn't we, Ollie? Because obviously we talked about this on the podcast last week that myself and you didn't, uh, well, didn't or wouldn't or wouldn't or didn't want to make the Peterborough game. So neither of us made it. So aid, yeah, you went yesterday, didn't you? And obviously you've got the, yeah. the inside track on the game, Ollie. So um, yeah, it's it's a, a more positive week, Ollie. We were asking for that last week, weren't we? Yeah, finally got that win, um, which was much needed. Um, and yeah, a thoroughly uh, important win, uh, especially mm. considering. What it meant for us in terms of position in the in the relegation battle, and it's yeah, it's a much needed win. And yeah, for me, I wouldn't say we've got any momentum yet. We need to get another win, but yep. um, yeah, it'd be good to get Aid's thoughts on kind of the the emotion of the game and yeah, how we how the players got on. Be good, yeah. I, I I feel a little bit personally sat here tonight, like you know, some sort of gods of karma have had had me over a barrel today because yesterday I got a win I wanted for my football club. I was absolutely delighted about it, and today I've had a flat car, flat tire, and pulled my Achilles, Ollie. So somewhere along the world, karma is sorting itself out in some way, which feels a bit a bit unfortunate. But there we go. Um, but yeah, you're right. Just to have a nice Saturday night for once, where we weren't worried about looking at the table and wondering about when that next win's going to come, was just a fantastic feeling, wasn't it? And and that's all I'm embracing at the moment. So yeah, I think we'll, we'll move on to the Peterborough game and. and We'll get um, A's thoughts about it. From a crew player with a first time ball that's crossed first time, that's finished first time by Mark Stallard. It's 3 1. So on Saturday, Shrewsbury got a much needed win away at Peterborough, who are struggling at home, so that was nice, but obviously uh, they are in a um, kind of playoff push, and that's why they changed their manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it was. Six, just over 6,000 fans in, uh, in Peterborough's um, stadium, which is getting slowly getting renovated. So it'll be interesting to get AIDS opinion on that. There was 338 Slopians, including Kevin Campbell, Torres Campbell's dad, in the crowd. <laughs> um, it was a first win at Peterborough um, since 2005, where there's a few of your favourite players um, playing, Glenn. Yeah, Derby scored. I remember Sorry. that. I was there that day. I've never had much luck going to Peterborough. I remember going there on a on a New Year's Day, and we we didn't do very well under that under the away end um, where the yeah. old away end used to be, but um, not the happy hand to ground for us. We have been terrible there for a while, Ollie. To be fair, so yeah, I'm not so, surprised yeah. by that. So it was our first league win in 2019, which is a, a nice kind of yeah kind of stat to get rid of. Um, only our second away win all season in the league, <laughs> um, and now we're three games unbeaten. So that's a little oh. bit of momentum: Woo-hoo! two draws and a win. Um, <laughs> we're flying. So, something to get positive about, but yes. um, and then in terms of team selection. There was a lot of confusion online, um, maybe co- probably comp- contributed by um, those who weren't there, by Mark Elliott saying that we were playing 4-4-2. Mm. Um, I think he was a bit confused, and fair, I guess it's fair, fair, fair reason to be confused that Wally was playing as a wing-back, but a very attacking wing-back. Mm. Um, we had Williams, Waterfall and Beckles in central defence. Sadler was dropped, so that caused a lot of, again, a lot of discussion. We had Laurent, Grant and Norburn in midfield, um, Goldburn on the left wing back, Campbell and Holloway up front. And Aid, um, were you surprised about the team? And also maybe can you just kind of explain like how did where did Laurent play? So because um, obviously you'd expect Grant and Norburn to sit a bit. And how did Campbell kind of what was his role? It was interesting it because you know when everybody said like it was four four two. So like I looked at the team, looked at me brother, he looked at me, I looked at him. We looked on the pitch. <laughs> we went, how are they lining up then? And we sort of figured, we thought it was a four-four-two. So we thought the sort of um, Williams, Waterfall, Beckles and Goldburn 
sort of seemed to be playing in the fourth. Then we realised Wally actually was tracking right back. Not very often, to be fair. <laughs> so then it looked like a five. And then it, it's like you're saying, so where was Lauren? Lauren, to me, seems to be playing just behind... Um, sort of like Holloway Campbell but Holloway was more advanced so they were trying to hit a long ball to Holloway flick it down to Campbell and if that uh, didn't work then Wally was pushing on on the wing and they playing it on the floor which obviously worked but it, it was really strange it was really strange trying to figure it out and I think when Peterborough scored even more strange mm, you yeah. know, because you thought uh, did they know what they're doing <laughs> uh, which obviously has been a question mark over the whole season let's be honest but you know yeah so it does appear now that that the formation was a five three two or a three five two, but it didn't become very apparent as the game kicked off. I'll be really no, honest. you could tell that from um, from BBC's um, question at the end in the, in the post match. They were asking Rickets what the formation was. So all through the game, that they thought they were a bit confused. And yeah, watching the extended highlights back, um, Lauren sometimes was covering for Worley. Williams sometimes was quite high and yeah it was quite something confusing in terms of um, trying to understand the formation and it was only really Ricketts post-match I think really kind of cemented it for everyone. For, for me my, my, when I obviously wasn't at the game but I was I was following it on Twitter and watching the teams come in and then listen to the Radio Shropshire commentary which again I should just praise Danny and Mark, Mark Elliott I thought they were both fantastic again really really entertaining listening to them both to be honest with you. Um, especially when they give them their views on, on the team as well, and, and especially how mad the game was. It was quite fun to listen to them. But going to, going to me, the one thing that stirred to me was, obviously, um, Ricketts talked about resting Faye last week, and then obviously hasn't played him again in this game from the start, and brought Holloway back in. That was really the one that stood out to me, Ollie, because you know it's a very long rest he's having, and um, <laughs> we went out in the window to buy two strikers in on the principle that Holloway wasn't really doing the business, and now all of a sudden... Holloway's in the team and our top goal scorer got dropped and only one of them played. So Yeah, interesting point there though is that um, Rick had said it all the time he likes to rotate and he hasn't done it till now which was a bit confusing but then he does say that he <laughs> says he hasn't got a favourite formation to Mark Kelly in the, in the pre-pre-match yeah, um, that. in the week and he said that um, he plays a team to basically to win that match. Um, so, hey, do you think having a target man helped the team in this game? Yeah, I think it did to a degree although probably more on reflection and actually the game. <laughs> I think Holloway, to be honest with you, has improved in terms of his um, trying to be a sort of lone striker, you know, holding the ball up. I think he's getting a lot, lot better than that. But certainly within the first 15 minutes, I, I, I don't think any of us really felt that because we just seemed to be hitting aimless long balls up the park <laughs> like we normally do. And again, when we did play on the ground, and my brother kept shouting this, bless him, um, he was like, look, when we play on the floor, we look brilliant. We look a really good team. We look like we've got options. We look like we can score. Mm. If we're trying to lump it to Holloway... We don't look like that. We we look like a very bang average League Two team. We've been we've been saying that for a few weeks, haven't we, Ollie? In that you know we have got the players and everyone thinks they're talented, but sometimes we have been seeing a bit more direct football under Ricketts. And is that really the best use of the players that we've got? And and maybe that's where he's gone to at the moment. But you know we hope to see them play more football, don't we? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. So how, talking of, of football, how did how did Shrewsbury start? Did they did they try to pass the ball? How was the what was the first kind of ten minutes of play like? We're just trying to settle into the game, really. But it did appear we were trying to go a bit more direct. Wally was trying to, to push on a lot more. Campbell was trying to get into space. So you could see maybe what we were trying to do. But it was, there was too much long ball. And Peterborough were just lapping it up. Mm-hmm. And you just thought, well, OK, let's see what they've got. And they didn't seem to have anything. And then they had this free kick. And and it was it was just... 
here we go again, wasn't it? It's just <laughs> yeah. poor defund- defending. I think that the best thing about it was, if you think about the goal we scored at Sunderland, at uh, Luke Waterfall scored, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it appears to like come off the guy's sort of side of the back of his head. It, mm. it didn't really direct it in. It's hard to criticise Beckles, who was marking him as well, yeah. because it was like quite far away from Beckles, and... He didn't, yeah. He just kind of more hit him and kind of bounced and went into the back of the net. It was, it was a bit of an odd one. Obviously, you could have, you know, maybe positionally could have been better, but yeah, it was a bit of an odd one. It, it all was. count. Yeah, they do. And the thing was, though, it's watching Arnold, isn't it? Now, I'm going to criticise him for this. For the rest of the game, he was awesome. But Good. It was like you could see the ball. You could see where it went, and Arnold sort of looks at the ball. And he's trying to follow it. Now, whether he thought it was going wide, I don't know. That's mm. what I honestly think. Yeah. He sort of looked. His body didn't move apart from his head. And he just sort of watched it go in the net. <laughs> and we all looked to each other and went, you know, what the has been going, going on, on here. there? Yeah. And, you know, looked to each other. I looked to my brother. I said, here we go. Then this is it. And it's exactly the same feeling as I had at Wolves, really. And I just thought, right, we're going to get tanked here. Here we go. You know, the Asian negativity is continuing <laughs> and uh, town fans around me were just looking at each other bemused, really. Um, yeah. How did we respond to that that, um, that that going behind? Did we did we try to, was it again lumping it forward or did we try to pass up a little bit more? I, I think the, the honest way to say this is we eased ourselves into the game. So initially there was a little bit of Peterborough pressure, but not much, not what you'd thought. I think Peterborough felt that they'd done enough even then. I think they thought we were going to just roll over, they'd get a second one later in the game, and that was going to be it. Mm. Um, I was, it listening, was on, listening to BBC Shropshire, and there wasn't a lot of highlights of them to kind of describe. You know, they, no. they definitely sounded like Peterborough were on top of the Wally. Again, I only used to it on the radio, and they, they were sort of starting to sound panicked voices when we went 1 0 down. Do you know what I mean? And it was, you, you as a fan listening to that, you were already, like, you were at the great ground thinking, oh no, we we're about to go in a very in a very bad yeah. place here. And I think that, you know, it would be difficult for any town fan not to have started to worry again. Away at Peterborough, Someone we have every game this season. <laughs> exactly, that's true. But you know, we're coming to what is the moment of this entire game. And for me, I'm going to call this the moment of the season, frankly, because of what it might do for us. But Ivan Tony's escapades on Saturday were a joy to behold, Ollie. Yeah, it was really sign. funny. It was really <laughs> funny. So, um, corner was taken in. Waterfall got a good header on. Back into the box, shot from Beckles. Yeah. Um, hit the goalkeeper and then kind of spun up off his knee. I think it was. Yeah. It was going into the back of the net. And then good old Ivan Tony um, um, used his arm and kind of swiped it away. <laughs> the referee spotted it straight away. And then the I don't know whether it was just a good bit of acting from Peterborough and Ivan Tony who seemed surprised he was sent off. Yeah. Unbelievable if he was trying to get away with the red card there. I mean, you were obviously screaming for it Ed, at the time, I imagine. To be honest, no. Uh, <laughs> and the reason it wasn't because I think every time fan that was there sort of could not believe what was happening. <laughs> Maybe it was because it was the shot from Beckles. It wasn't really a shot. He just sort of, looked, well, lunged his leg at it, didn't yeah. it? So it seemed to come off his boot. The keeper just, it, he was just shocked by it, the keeper, wasn't he? It just sort of, as you said, it sort of seemed to loop off him. And, and the angle was, it was sort of going in the net. But why did Tony do that? I'm so glad he did. I even thank him. He's a bit yeah. of a plonker, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. The, the but... smartest thing to do, was it? It's the most influential thing he's done for us, you know. He played for us for twice, but that's definitely the most influential thing well, he's he done. Well, he did a give away a penalty, didn't he, against Scunthorpe? Yeah, oh, true enough. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So he's, he's, I've, I called him Agent Tony, um, Tony online. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and, oh, and I tell you what though, I tell you what, it was good though. Penalty from Norburn was absolutely wasn't it? superb. Really, really <laughs> solid penalty. Fair play to him. Wasn't it? Wasn't it just a great strike? And he had the confidence. You could see when he ran up. He just said, right, I'm having this, straight in the corner, what a pen. And yeah, town fans then started to uh, go slightly nuts, you know, which is great. And we thought, hang on a minute, the corpse is twitching, the corpse is twitching. <laughs> Maybe we're being a little bit over negative here about Sam Ricketts' Barmy Army. Come on, <laughs> you know, and uh, obviously you realise I've been drinking heavily this weekend. <laughs> but uh, no, in all due respect, yeah, it was good. The sun was out and we thought, right, now, come on, let's just get a foothold in the game, see what we can do. But Shrewsbury struggle against 10 men. They always seem nah. to struggle against 10 men. We don't seem to... Um, we were rubbish against Accrington with 10 men. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. We didn't this time. I think we looked really good. And actually, oh, Peterborough, cool. you know, I thought, didn't really show. Uh, and that was interesting because this is a team going for the playoffs, supposedly. Got a bit more freedom under Ferguson. And it was obvious that we were in control of this game. Totally like it, yeah. And it was, it was great. And we just looked at it and so thought, right... Now, if we could just get another one, and lo and behold, we did. Yeah, exactly. One thing I would just say about Peterborough, one of the things that came across from listening to the radio commentaries, and I didn't pick up on this, Ollie, and we didn't talk about this last week, was they'd been pretty poor at home in front of their home crowd. And it was very noticeable how negative Peterborough's fans sounded on the radio. They would seem to get on their teams back quite a lot. Second half, it kind of turned around when they turned on the referee a bit more, and it it felt like it was a much more difficult challenge. But I thought they sounded quite negative, Peterborough's fans, and potentially that sort of aided us through that early period. But I I wasn't there. It's just what what I could hear on the radio. Really. But they don't you think quiet. that seems to happen when you have a, um, a club that changed the manager so quickly? Well, they like us. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, not historically we don't, do we? But no. their managers seem, they, their clubs seem to change and they seem to have kind of almost lofty ambitions all the time and they never seem to kind of um, kind of live up to it, which I think then kind of reacts into how the fans are, what their expectations mm. are. Possibly, possibly. I'll come back to that bit later, <laughs> Ollie, because I've got a story to tell you. Um, <laughs> when I was in the Draper's Arms a bit late with a Peterborough fan. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was really quiet. That was the other thing, the mm. atmosphere, you know. The, the, there wasn't a lot of chanting coming from the Peterborough fans. No, you couldn't hear no. it too much. It was just seemed negative m- moans and boos in the background on the mic. So, um, mm. But there we go. But as you say, we just sort of alluded to there, obviously, we did get that second goal and get ahead and... Um, Quite a moment, you know. I've seen the goal back, obviously, and and it's a finish and a half, isn't it? But um, yeah. I'd like to know what you know, Aid's Aid's experience of that goal was. Yeah. So where we are, we're in the in the stadium. We're sort of like right behind it, but in the corner. We're almost like block eighteen, nineteen, looking yep. to the south stand. That'd be the equivalent. So we're all talking, and oh, Wally, here we go. You know, free, <laughs> why does he have to take set plays? Why can't we get? Why can't Norburn take this? You know, come on. Why can't he do it? So anyway. Then he passes it out wide to Campbell, who nobody yep. has picked, not even the town fans. No. And we thought, right, if he that can just cross it nice, somebody will finish it. And the finish is just immense, isn't it? It's just like a sweeping shot, dead in the corner, precision finish, keeper yep. can't get to it. I think it comes off the post and goes in, but it's in, you know. It, it's it's sweet as a nut, you yep. know. And we just went nuts. We thought, <laughs> well, here we go again, you know, this is it, we're 1-0 down, we come back, you can't knock the guys' fight because yeah. at times this is what they're doing, I just wish they'd do it four games out of five rather than one game out of five. And, yeah. and two things about that goal for me, Ollie, one was that's going to be there for goal of the season, there's, there's been some decent goals scored this season but for class and, and the, the contribution to the cause, really that's a goal that's going to have to be considered, and, and two, we 
you talk about coming from behind. We have hardly done that this season in the league. We've only come. I think we only came back from behind twice. I was looking at it. So again, to show that spirit and commitment to come back into a game, despite it being against ten men and all the mm. you know gifts that that presented us, but still, you've got to give the, the guys credit for getting ahead at that point, Ollie. Yeah, definitely, absolutely superb finish. Um, Campbell showing why he's so highly rated, and I think in all honesty, we're quite lucky to get him. Uh, mm, yeah, and I think yeah, it's. Um, I think it's probably testament to his dad and his experience that he's got someone who can um, advise him. And I think his dad obviously clearly believes that getting minutes um, is the way to start your football career. And two superb finishes, and yeah, absolutely sweet as a nut um, into the back of the net. And yeah, imagine everyone went into half time pretty chuffed. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we're all looking at each other going, right, you know, we've just got to take this opportunity now. Th- yeah. This this could make a break us, can it? If we don't win this now, then, you know, we're in trouble. But if we can just get something from this, even if it's just a point now, you know, we can, you know, this would be a good result. Yeah, I mean, a 2-1 a up against 10 men, I felt a bit differently, but not being there on the day thinking, we cannot not win this now. It felt like it was exactly there. This was, Ricketts was not going to get a better chance to get his first, mm. you know, away win under his belt, you know, tricky set of fixtures in some respects coming up. And, and it just felt like this was something to, to defend on. And in, in some respects, I was thinking, you know, the only way this could go wrong is if we had a player sent off. And we'll come to that in a yeah, bit. But yeah. at the end of the day, I started to think about this is a game now where actually we'll be relying on the defence standing firm to make sure we get over the line rather than maybe getting a third. And I felt like maybe that's the way it would go. And it kind of maybe played out a little bit like that. But um, You weren't nervous at half time. I was incredibly nervous. Just... Don't I don't know. I wasn't. No, I wasn't, no, I wasn't, I wasn't actually. Wasn't, I, mean, no. I can't pretend. I can't pretend I was. I. I thought no. the, the laws of football and everything are that generally the team that are winning two one against a game against ten men should do the business. And I was just you know relying on that really to be confident. I suppose um, knowing our shoes were ten, maybe I should have felt differently. But I actually I didn't feel too unconfident listening to it, Ollie. Yeah, no, no I didn't. <laughs> I was quite nervous and started doing jobs around the house and started to wash the kitchen floor and trying to keep active to um, yeah. Um, not to um, yeah, try and keep myself active because um, I've just driven all the way back from Dartmouth um, at home and home to listen to the game and no, I was really nervous and um, yeah, there was so, so start of the second half. Um, it was good save from Arnold after um, posh worked a chance. Then Norburn got booked mm. Mm. and then you really <laughs> left wrong room Jeff for Norburn um, and then Norburn um, kind of dived in a bit foolish I think um, dived in um, took the man. Um, and got sent off, and you can't argue. I don't think with the two the two um, bookings and the red card. No. Yeah, before I ask Raid what on the day, there was two really interesting things about it on the radio. They were praising Norburn to high heaven just before the second red, second yellow card because he'd been playing really well, like mm. you just indicated. And we'll ask you about his overall performance. But they were praising him and praising him, and then suddenly he just made a tackle, and they went, "Oh!" It was like literally within the middle of them discussing how well he was playing. Um, so <laughs> it was quite a funny listening to it, Ollie. I don't know if you caught that bit, but yeah, he obviously had been playing well, and that was the frustrating thing is that we talked on the podcast last week about how he's been trying to influence himself on games a bit more, like at Bristol Rovers, where he skirted the line of getting sent mm. off. Um, 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 and then obviously it sounds again like he really does. He is starting to step up and be that man for us a bit, and that was great because I asked for that on the podcast a few weeks ago. You might have heard it, and it sounds to me like everything I've heard that he was a, one of the guys that really was standing up for the football club. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair comment. I think, but the, the challenge is, and a bit like at Bristol Rovers, and a bit like with Dave Edwards, it, it's got to be controlled aggression. True. We want them to close it down, close players down. We want them to tackle. We don't want them to be powder puff. But you've got to be cute mm-hmm. and. Dave Edwards wasn't cute, Ollie Norman wasn't cute at Bristol Rovers, and he wasn't cute 
you know, yesterday. And the thing is, he's the club captain. He yeah. could have cost us that game, and we would be talking here differently now if things hadn't happened the way they did. The you know, it, it would have been another defeat. Ricketts would have been the worst manager ever in shoes history. Blah blah blah. And the players have got us now. You know, we, we the great. We want your effort. We want you to fight. Fight for the badge. Die for the shirt. You know, but calm down. Just that, that, that you know, don't put us in positions that we could lose the game. And yeah. uh, you know, Ollie nearly did. Yeah, and I, I mean, I called him foolish. Uh, you know, after it happened, it, it seemed like a foolish thing to do on a booking when we've basically cruising towards a win, really, yeah. if to, to, with ten men against eleven. So it was foolish. Just listening to it and then obviously then watching it back, it was even worse. And yes. yeah. It was very foolish, and I can understand why he's been captain. I think you know we need that his tenacity, his you know his commitment. He puts his body on the line, and they're all the things that you know can commend him for. And you can understand why he's captain. He just needs to be a bit smarter. He's only a young player, but he needs to be smarter in these situations. And it's um, yeah, we need we need eleven men on the pitch as it's shown him in the last few games. And having two men sent off. Um, now in, in the recent weeks is is not uh, ideal. Yeah, both in midfield and both are going to miss the game on Tuesday night, aren't they? Which maybe again leaves us in a tricky spot, like against um, it was it we played at home. I say Burn. young, sorry, yeah. he's twenty six, but you know he's he's not an old hat. But yeah, you, no. you expect better from that when he's played that many games. You would. And then when you were talking about how I felt, Ollie, whether I was nervous or not about it at half time, I'd certainly started feeling a lot more nervous after we went down to ten men. But um, yeah, the, the the radio commentary definitely got a bit more squeaky bum time, Aid. And um, as it was as it went on, they they created the odd chance here and there, Peter, didn't they? Maybe grow but grew back into the game from what it felt like on the radio. Yeah, I think they did. Um, I think when it was even side, yeah, you, you sort of thought then you know Peterborough were were sort of the better team, mm. but you know they weren't really clear cut. You know there was the, the one chance and the double save from Arnold, which yep. I think we'll, we'll come on to, which is absolutely brilliant. But you know it wasn't anything. They weren't really creating anything definite. They weren't. They were half three quarter chances. They weren't, you know, one on ones, goalkeeper, you know, obvious, mm. obvious chances. So I think as we realise that maybe people are running out of ideas, we start to think, well, the, the clock's ticking down here. Yeah. So we're going to come out of this with at least a point, hopefully. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it, it, I didn't feel. Uneasy. I just felt angry with the fact that Norburn had, had done what he did. Which, the free kicks were a bit of a worry, I think, as well. Because with the delivery, delivery that was yeah. the one where... It, that was Whenever I was listening to the radio commentary, whenever they got a free kick, I was like, right, this is where it's... If something's going to happen, it sounds like it'll happen now, Ollie. Yeah, it was, again, as I say, it was a very, very nervous second. <laughs> I was nervous throughout the whole game, but a few calories with that. And Yeah, it's... um, And we seemed to put... Fortunately, we did enough to hold out. Yeah. A um, bit of time wasted. Grant had an amazing chance. Did well, from your view? Oh. Did you thought that was? Did you think that was in aid? It was a great. Move. I can't remember who passed to him. I don't know if it was Goldburn. <laughs> it might have been. I think long. it might have been Goldburn actually. Yeah, he sort of come down the left if I remember, and he, he put this ball through to Grant, and he, Grant movement was just brilliant, and he's just right. He seemed to be on one yesterday, didn't he? He did, yeah. And all you've got to do then is just finish, and he just. He hit it, and it was the right thing to do, really sweet. It was just slightly too oh. narrow, and he just hit the post and it come back. We were all going, oh, no, you know, crazy, because that <laughs> got in, the place was erupted. Um, but, yeah, it, again, it just shows sometimes that we can play good football, doesn't it? Yep. And, that, yep. and that's, again, so frustrating at times. With and that's us. what we want to see on Tuesday night, isn't it? But, um, yeah. Yeah, and there we go. And then again, you talk about nerves at the end. the The end of the game was sounded horrendous, to be honest with you, on the radio with the, sort of the chance at the end. And um, I don't know, was your heart in your mouth, Aid? No, it's interesting. You see, it's interesting listening to you two guys talking <laughs> about the radio commentary. 
and I'm there. I I didn't feel that nervous. I just thought, well, if it happens, it happens, yeah, sort of yeah. thing. But it, it didn't. I I felt that although they had a few chances again, they weren't clear cut. They mm. weren't. You know, Arnold made a really good set. There was the one free kick, great delivery. Header comes in. Arnold makes a really good save. Yeah. Really good save. You know, I was sort of thinking, yeah, that that's what we want. That's his job. Defensively, I thought we were okay. We didn't look rocky. You know, waterfall. I, I'm his greatest critic, but I thought he had a pretty decent game, and yeah, and we looked like we looked a lot more solid. But I think the thing was, were Peterborough asking the right question of us? And I think probably not. And probably we've not. got to judge all of this with the slight caveat that they only had ten men. Yeah. you know that's. It's it's good to have had a good performance, and it's quite nice to feel like I want to go over the edge and be really praiseful tonight and talk about how amazing this is. But I, there is that little bit of me that's just re- revising it a little bit to think we did the job against ten men. They showed some bottling character, which is something we've missed in a few games yeah, recently. Yeah. They showed some desire. They clearly kept their fitness to the end in this one. Obviously, it was easier against ten men. So there's a lot of things there that we've been wanting to see that we can be hugely praiseful for. Now we just need to put it together in a game against eleven in in another game to get one of these wins that's going to see us pretty much over the line in the next few weeks. I'll be a happy man then, and I'll start to think right. Ricketts has done what he needed to do. Now we work on to next season and see what the hell he's got mm. to give us. That's where I am now. And yeah, that's what right. I want to see. But sometimes it feels like a head still in the lion's jaw, and it's just a case of needs another couple of weeks really just to see quite how this little bit plays oh, yeah. out. But you know, fantastic in, in the end of it to get that result really, Ollie. And um, yeah, I suppose you could you could relax after Arnold made that last save and, and go and do some more jobs around the house, Ollie. <laughs> it was very nice to have opened up a nice beer and had a couple of beers to celebrate. It was. It's just so nice to win a game. It's just. It's been such a you know such a, a low occurrence this season to win in the league and yeah it was nice to win and obviously uh, that kind of put us up the league and yeah it was it was just refreshing to to, to finally have three points. Yeah, out the relegation zone and and all of the sort of positivity that that entails. At one point we're above Walsall on the table, but obviously they came back and got a decent result in the end. So well that'll wait till Tuesday night. We'll be mm. back above them then. But yeah, um, yeah. back to the game really. We'll just we'll finish it off with top top three and uh, and Rickett's comments. But um, yeah, who did you go for your top three then? Yeah, well. Third place, well, actually, I tell you what, we'll start off with honourable mentions. Obviously, Ivan Tony, forward for <laughs> Peterborough United Football Club and agent uh, for Shrewsbury Town Football Club. It's so funny on um, Instagram, um, people were just saying, Shrewsbury Town said, who's the man of the match? And it was just Ivan Tony, Ivan yeah. Tony, Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony. And the club had to put an announcement out saying, can you please mention our players? And it's <laughs> hilarious. They should give it him. It would be so funny. It would yeah. be like a very... Um, I don't know, it'd be quite a media savvy thing to do really, just to kind of make you know the rest of the football it's not world think happen, Glenn. It's I know, not they're not they're not that ballsy, are they, unfortunately? Oh, they gave it to the steward the other week. I thought that was a yeah. credible move, but um no, it'd be a shame. It'd be funny if it happened. I remember once when this is a really long story of a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure Aid was there, but we played Torquay away and it must have been the last away game of the season, and they were having their player of the season vote, and Brian Gale was playing for us at this point in time. Or, it, or we might have been playing for them, I can't quite remember. Mm. But he was terrible, either way. And there was all these um, forms to fill in for who was Torquay's player of the season. So all the town fans went in boots and laces, and everybody put Brian Gale on all these forms, and it came out a week later, and they had to say, we counted it first to find that Brian Gale had won our player of the season award, but we feel like there was some sort of <laughs> jury rigging of the votes. <laughs> so we've gone to the second place, so there you go. You know, It does happen, Ollie, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think that was just naughty Shrewsbury Town fans. But go on, back to the top okay, three. Okay, so my top three. So in third place was Steve Arnold. Uh, yeah, the goal, he would have won it, but uh, the goal he let in the first goal, nah, that wasn't great, Steve. Mm. But the rest of the game, superb. Thank you. Great performance. Good shop stopper. I think we're, we're finding that out. Yeah. Second, Luke, Mr. Magic Hat Waterfall for all my Lincoln <laughs> friends. 
Yeah, this was, I think, up there with his one of his better performances. He looks solid. I still did stand up and shout at him at one point, but you know what? That was only once in the game, so I yep. think there's positives and he's improving. So well done, Luke, on that one, and thank you for playing so well and getting us three points. And then uh, number one is Campbell. Mm. Uh, for that finish alone, it was just superb. He had another chance uh, where he ran on to it and nearly beat the keeper with a little chip. Uh, he's starting to show us what class he is and I think to have a striker that can finish we've got two of those now that to me starts to think that if we can just get a bit more consistent we do have the quality uh, if, but if we can just play as a team so yeah Campbell Campbell was uh, my man of the match that's good well, before we move on to Ricketts comments one of the things I was going to ask Aid that I've seen is that We've been pretty negative about Goldburn so far. He's not been that good in the games up until Saturday. But I felt there was some more positive comments about him this Saturday than I'd seen before. And mm. you know, what kind of game did he have? Yeah, I thought he did okay. Um, yeah. he, he certainly didn't. I didn't think of him as somebody who had a poor game. Mm. Uh, he, he got forwards well. I thought he defended okay. Good. I don't think he pulled up trees, but maybe that's what he needs. He needs to start coming in and just just you know play step a bit forward more. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely. good. Cool, um, and obviously Ricketts did his interview on the side of the pitch, Charlie. I saw that, and full of smiles. Yeah, don't say cool. That's my word. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, so he um, yeah Ricketts was in good humour as you'd expect. <laughs> he said he told Ollie Norburn that he'd give he'd aged him by five years in that game <laughs> being sent off, and it's worth noting actually we only had an extra and one man advantage for thirty minutes. True enough. Yeah, so third of the game. Um, it was a really good week, you know, a good week training. You could see um, in patches in the improvement of the passing he was referring to there. Um, players of termination character who's really pleased with. Disappointed to concede off set pieces again. It, I got the impression that he, from the not exactly what he said, but the way he kind of described this part of the interview that they've been working on set pieces. Um, to come back into the game and take advantage of extra man was pleasing and looking comfortable and moving the ball. Can't argue the red. I love his attitude and passion, but he needs to stay on his feet more. Uh, and he, then he mentioned then about the we've already t- discussed about the, the the formations and he said what he wanted to do was because they play a diamond he wanted Sean he, he felt I guess he felt that he could play Sean Wally as a wing back because they don't play over left left they don't play over left winger anyway okay. so he had that kind of flank to himself and he wanted to pin their left back back uh, he said wing back can be really offensive then he talks about Docker two for Wolves um has scored loads of goals and done loads of assists um so yeah so interesting he was very very happy and I think uh, you know fair play to him you know he did, I think. He he deserved this victory um, and yeah it was nice for him I'm sure to have a, a nice Saturday evening for a change <laughs> yeah I mean the base is there now three games unbeaten a win and two draws you know that's something for him as a manager to, to hang his hat on with the rest of this squad now and say look here's the platform you know your challenge now is to build on that and, and start to take us away from trouble and you know let's let's all just you know I think we can leave that game there a little bit by saying that I think all three of us are probably in agreement that this is as good a chance now to kick on for the rest of the season as we've had for you know weeks and weeks and weeks yes. obviously without any wins so um, yeah I'm looking forward to two games this week and hoping that we can kind of turn things around Ollie so yeah, yeah. I, I suppose yeah go on just one thing just to say about the league table so that pulled us out of the bottom four so you've got Wimbledon bottom um, bit quite a bit of a gap to Bradford and then Rochdale um, and then Bristol Rovers, Rochdale. I've got minus thirty goal um, aggregate, <laughs> which is horrendous. Terrible. Um, Bristol's is minus six. Ours is minus nine. To put into context, yeah. Then you've got Oxford and Shrewsbury on thirty-six points. Warsaw thirty-eight. Gillingham thirty-nine. And then you've got four teams on forty-one. Who are at the moment, I'd agree with. I was listening to the D four D three D four podcast earlier. I'd say that I'd agree with them that the the teams from thirteenth to sixteenth who've got forty-one points are probably out of it at the moment. But you know we yeah. um, we've got this game in hand on a couple of the teams. Um, if we get to thirty nine points, that puts us up there with, with Gillingham. Um, we'd be ahead of the match. We'd take their place in seventeenth. And 
yeah, two draws and a win. You know, for me, you know, I was asked by a, f- a good friend of mine who's been to a few games. Actually, you met him at the the Wiccan game. Neil sent me a message saying, you know, is this a springboard? And I said to him, I don't think it's a springboard yet. We need to get another win because back to back wins is what we've been struggling with all season. But obviously, we've got Doncaster on Tuesday. Um, but then after that, we've got you know some massive, massive games, some really winnable games. With we've got Wimbledon at home, then Rochdale away, and then we've got Plymouth who are. Um, who have had a, obviously got themselves out of the relegation fight um, away on a Tuesday night, which is obviously horrendous. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting fixtures coming up. Uh, to, to, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap up again. You're right to say that. I mean, to me, I'm going to look, look at this week and think two wins, and we're, we're pretty much off, well, we're almost all the way to feeling like you're almost safe. Mm. If you can beat Doncaster and Wimbledon, we've taken a huge stride forward. Oh, we to did win that three. last time. Remember when we had Hurst and we <laughs> yeah. thought we were safe <laughs> yeah. and yeah. yeah. didn't we? Yeah, I well, agree I'm, with that. I don't care. I'd still like to win the next two games. Oh, of yeah, course we want to win the next games, but <laughs> for me, I'm not going to feel safe until probably the season's over. Okay. <laughs> then you'll still be nervous, Ollie. We've learned that <laughs> <Exactly>. tonight. <laughs> right, there we go. We'll, we'll wrap the game up there and we'll move on to some stand-up news. That's it. The referee blows the whistle and it's call time on this uh, traditional end-of-season curtain down at... Rapturous applause. Rapturous applause from the home supporters. It's from me, night. Colin Bloomfield, and from away supporters, veteran yep. Lynn Price. So, Salad News, bit of a discussion this week. So, two um, kind of appointments behind the scenes for the club. First, that we've got a new academy manager. Um, I didn't put his name. I think his name is David Longford, something like that. Um, that's good research for you. Um, I didn't copy his name down. Um, no, you can I'm check not sure that. Wise. Best podcast for nothing on it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> amateurs for a reason. Um, so yeah, he started his career at Saint Mirren, and that's where how he knows Brian. Um, and he's but to fair to him, he's got quite a few players come through, including McGinn, who plays for Villa. Um, yeah, and Sam Ricketts said a really positive side and great person, and he wants the youth to come through. And then, um, then David said, I'm really impressed with what AD and Andy and Eric have done. I think there's a great foundation in place. The challenge to me is to try and take it forward to the next level. I've met all the staff this week and I've been really good. And I've been really impressed with everyone. I'm not just saying that. With great enthusiasm and open mind, the staff inherited are great and very positive. Um, and then his job will cover basically under 8s to under 18s. Yes. Um, yeah, he he went to America. He was actually in Orlando City, and then he got um, poached, headhunted to go to New York Red Bull. So he comes with a good pedigree, and yeah, hopefully that's um, yeah going to be a good signing for the club. It's it's nice to just fill that position out. It's you know modern day football having an academy head that's and taking it's so on responsibility. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. It, it's it's good to get that post filled out. It's funny. I was doing the the January update for Football Manager, and Dean Gripton, who's the the um, head of all the league, football league researchers, essentially, so he deals with everyone from the Championship down to the end of League Two. Um, um, was sending me lots of questions this week about how our staffing get that worked up. First of all, he couldn't get his head around how we hadn't got an assistant manager. And I had to keep saying him, no, we haven't got one. He doesn't want one. We're not looking to get one by the seams of it. And then he was asking about our youth system because it's been in flux since obviously Ramsey stepped up, which yeah. was, what, three months ago now. So it's nice to get one part of that, that sorted. And uh, at least Football Manager's database will be nice and accurate now, Ollie. But yeah, yeah I'm just pleased to please, please see that role filled out, really. And then, you know, got to wish the guy all the best. And hopefully he's bringing us through the next Goldstone or, you know, you know, um, Woods or whoever we've had in the yeah. team recently. Let's get another one of them through. And talking of accuracy, his name is David Longwell. Oh, there you go. Longwell. There you go. There you go. I'm going to call him David Longfoot though from Longfoot. now on, Ollie, because that's what you called him. I didn't actually call him Longfoot. <laughs> Oh, there you go. All right, um, okay. And then we've then we've also got a new um, first team scout, which is a, a job title I've never heard of before. 
Um, I, thought, I just thought you were a scout. Um, and Luke, Luke, yeah, Luke Fogarty, who's a new um, first-team scout, who um, who Sam Rickett said will help him with pre-match reports and all that kind of stuff. Imagine being assistant Adam with doing recruitment and research uh, for players and, and up, yeah. up, up, upcoming games. Okay, that's good. It seemed like from your chat with Brian that he said that we used scouts from all around the country for various Yeah, we games. have 10. We have 10 yeah. scouts wow. in our network. And it's obviously the guys in addition to that. Um, to yeah, do research on pre-match games, uh, and this guy's okay. based in Lincolnshire, um, so pre-match games, and also to help recruit players, so players that Adam has um, put up on the, on my scout. Okay, there we go, super stuff. And then obviously we had, uh, yeah, the the other side of the chat from Paul Hurst. So we heard Brian's story at Christmas time, and then obviously Brian, um, Paul Hurst had an interview on the Not Top Twenty podcast this yep. week, didn't he, Ollie? Which we were expecting to hear the other side of the story from, and maybe we didn't get everything we wanted to hear, I suppose. Mm. Um, but yeah, do you want to run through through that really before we yeah. have a chat about it? Yeah, it's really funny. So I was getting a lot of stick this week um, from lots of people for my use of the word cool. Uh, my <laughs> and it was quite nice to hear Paul Hurst in truth is, is my cool. So he says oh, say, a lot. Uh, and so that was quite funny. So um, he said, interesting, and this is an interesting one, actually. And this is, there was an article in the 442 magazine this week about a guy who's got a similar job to Adam. And he says that he struggles to watch game as a spectator now. And Paul Hurst is saying that as well. He watches it as a football manager. Um, and then the reason, interesting one is why he left Grimsby. And he said there's a lack of investment and willingness to expand the infrastructure. And one of the reasons why he wanted to come to Shrewsbury is we did have that um, analyst in place. And yeah. something he was willing to kind of get um, to get involved get involved with and have that extra staff he said he didn't really get any extra money joining Shrewsbury which is an interesting one from a wage <laughs> perspective is that really that surprising probably no. not <laughs> no um, and then he says when he, his expectation when he signed was you know that we'd probably be in League 2 which you could criticise the club with but that's not surprising we were so no. far adrift when he got when he got um, appointed yeah um, yeah we were and then he went on to then he went on to talk about um, the season, obviously the glory season, um, well nearly glory season. Um, and he said that you know big thanks to and he kind of did um, take a bit of time to kind of kind of commend the chairman who went out and went above the budget to get um, Ben Godfrey. Yeah, he said it was his final piece in his formation. Um, and on on formations, actually, he he we always described the team, didn't we? That we would the midfield three would change all the time. And he said that was key to their team. That you know the. It was four at the back, two wingers, and then the mid three of midfield three would adapt all the time. And he was mm. he was um, took a bit of time to explain how how he used that, and that was quite interesting. Um, and then um, he went on to say that he thought that actually Chris Doig thought that us avoiding relegation is their biggest achievement to date as a team. Interesting, wasn't it? When he yeah. said that. It was yeah. really interesting. I think it probably is in retrospect. I mean, oh, it was. We, I, I described it as a miracle on the end of, on the end of season pod. It was, and it was a miracle that had a miracling ending that we stayed up. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. obviously the season later we were brilliant, we were fantastic, but they didn't quite get the job done, and it's obviously going to leave them with a little bit of a bitter taste that they they didn't quite achieve something that which would definitely topped keeping us up, but they, they didn't quite get there. So yeah. I think that's fair. I can can understand that. Yeah, and then it was a great stat from um, the guys in the not um, top twenty podcast. We said that we only conceded twelve goals in the first half of games all season which is a phenomenal achievement um to put in how many games there are in league one yeah, yeah um and then yeah then he then went on to talk about some of the obvious things about how you know focus on fitness and hard work and talked about the infamous um free kick at Wembley um how they tried that earlier on in the season and it hadn't quite worked Ollie do you think uh, Paul Hurst will be videoing the uh the Wally and Campbell uh, free kick from Saturday because I'm sure he's going to add that to his playbook. Yeah, I'd he? imagine he probably will probably be watching that on 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 We Scout as we talk. Um, 
maybe someone just found a book in his desk after he left and it had a lot of set, set pace but you know maybe Uh-oh. they gave it maybe they gave it maybe they gave it to Ricketts and said you might want to try these they worked all right last season <laughs> yeah so we um so we then go on to the the playoff final and yeah you know I think it's worth just stressing and I don't think and I don't think we ever said that he didn't want to win that game whatever relevant of what actually happened afterwards mm, he definitely yeah. would have wanted to win that game um and the and he, you know, he was really upset that we didn't um and yeah you know, he said he also wants to be the manager that finally won at Wembley as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get to the really controversial piece. So obviously Brian said his piece over Christmas and when um, obviously we sacked Askey. And Brian was very clean to say that when he wanted to kind of put it out for the fans that Paul Hurst had cleared his desk before the player final. Yeah, yeah, and he was asked about that, and he ne- Paul Hurst was asked about that at this interview, and he didn't answer the question directly. He didn't, did he? No, he didn't, Ollie. No. And for me, I was—I said this a few times online on Facebook and on Twitter—that for me, Paul Hurst's version of events actually fits in with what Brian said. Yep. Now, Paul Hurst said that he got approached by Ipswich and had to call the Shrewsbury Town chairman at the, uh, the day after the playoff final at the airport. Now, for me, that then raises the question that so he was contacted at the airport or on the day. He agreed terms, and then he signed for the. And he had to call Shrewsbury straight away. No, no nothing works that fast. No chance. Um, no, no. So for me, he he clearly could have said he could have he had the opportunity to to, to refute the desk point, which he didn't. So for me, while that's not obviously definite that it's tr- it, you know it's it's false or true, for me it does go on the side of it is true that he had cleared mm. his desk, and clearly his agent, not necessarily himself, had set up a move to leave. Um, and it, oh yeah, it all happened then obviously very fastly. So yeah, you've listened to it, Aid. What's your kind of take on this bit? Yeah, I, I listened to that with interest because that for me was was one of the things I wanted him to say, and he didn't. And I take your point that I think he it happened. I think he did clear his desk. I think also the the piece about the approach didn't come till the day after. Um, I would like to allege that that's false, and I'm sorry about that, Paul. But um, mm. you know that'd be my allegation, allegedly that that <laughs> didn't happen because we're we gonna get sued rumors. because of this aid. No, I don't think. Not <laughs> if I say alleged, because there we go. That's my, fine. My understanding and comments that I've heard allegedly was that this was going around in April. There was rumours um, in, the, in the Norwich in the Norwich press, in the Ipswich press, sorry. I was looking, I just saw, I've got a picture of Ben Godfrey coming up on my page from, from his goal on the weekend. Um, yeah, but yeah, it went Ipswich, um, and it had been in their newspapers for a while that, that Hurst was yeah. their favourite, and um, no other manager was mentioned for a couple of months um, during the playoffs was taking place. So yeah, it's no surprise to the local media that he signed. Yeah, there was a lot of rumours going round. Again, we won't ever know the full truth. No, but I think that's the one thing I would say. If if Paul, Hur- you know, if you guys ever get him to do a podcast, and I think you okay. guys probably need to do it at some point. <laughs> but if you did, and we were all sat round in the the Prince of Wales with him, that's the one question I'd look him in the eye. Say, you know, just be honest with this, Paul. Did you clear your desk? Yes mm. or no? Because if he did, I hope he's learned from it because that was classless. And as much as I'm a Paul Hurst fan, and I am, and I would want him back even now, you know, that to me is classless. Mm. And yeah, it's poor, I think, isn't it? It's so unnecessary. A couple of days or even a week, um, you know, just to kind of, yeah, to kind of just do it a bit more of a bit more of a bit of class. And even if that did mean an extra drive, bloody hell, like, you know, what did he really have? <laughs> Shrewsbury was that that important to him, but yeah, very poor it, taste. Left a bad taste in the mouth, didn't it? It did. Wouldn't it have been great, you know, if he, you know, he said he he'd gone on a fol- on holiday with his wife and kids. I don't blame him for that. But if he could have, you know, when he did fly back and then just popped in, and said, 
listen, guys, I'm really sorry for everything. I know it's a it's a bad time, but for me, for my career, you know, you said this would always be a stepping stone, mm. and no this is the stone. That, would they? No. No, and no. I tell you what, it would have been brilliant, and Brian and Noreen could have had a glass of wine with him, and and all that just, and then it, he could have left, and then you know what? Now, when it did go tits up. Mm. Now Paul Hurst, I think, would would be manager of Shrewsbury Town. Yep. And also, interesting that Paul Hurst hasn't got a job yet. Correct, because which I, I think, think has a, a no. I think this is a, I think his departure from Shrewsbury, and you know, you often hear about you know the people chairman and people in football talk about how how highly they regard the way Shrewsbury do their their, their business. Obviously, yeah. you know, people in football talk. Um, and this is obviously, I don't know obviously where this is going to stop him getting a job, I doubt it very much, but, you know, it is still surprising he hasn't got a job yet, because... You've got to factor in the fact that he did very, very poorly at Ipswich, and that's also, mm. obviously Let's, something... He's actually done better consider. point per game than Paul Lambert has um, in his defence, well, yeah, and the budget there we've got is tiny, but yeah, I think that's probably closes his point off, I don't know if there's anything else else you want to say on that point. Um, my, my question was, you know, did they did they cover, could he have come back to Shrewsbury? No, um, they didn't, no. It's no. a shame really, because that, that is the question, that, that, that the second one is that the only other remaining um, sort of rumour that is discussed that's still never been described from both sides is that you, you read this a lot now, and we can be brutally honest about it, is that Brian, or Brian or Noreen, but mostly Brian, <laughs> was the man that put his foot down and said, I won't have Paul Hurst back at this mm. football club. Whereas he talked very highly of the chairman in this interview, and clearly there was a relationship there, but, and the chairman would have been interested in back. That's really the only sort of rumour that you hear a lot now that I don't know one way or the other where, whether it is. And we've never, we could have had the opportunity to ask Brian. Maybe it's something we can ask Brian when we, when we talk to him again next time, Ollie. But you know, it'd be certainly something I'd like to kind of get some closure on as to what happened quite there and whether there was even one single move towards it happening because it was an interesting time period. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get closure to that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I'll never get my closure, Ollie, then. There we no. go. We'll just go with what the rumours are. But, um, yeah, there we go. The only other thing you want, wanted to talk about briefly was there was a little bit of a... And, and the more we've read about it now... Cup, yeah. Yeah, I think it's maybe the BBC <laughs> did, sort of did the dirty on Sam Ricketts a little bit on this one because he did an interview in the week about the Mind Charity. No, the Burton uh, game. It was pre-Burton, it was in, in the interview. yeah. It was a while back, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, but it was it was about what the the game represented, wasn't it? About mental health charity. Mm. We were selling pin badges, yeah, pin badges, which which yeah. Aid Scott you just said. Um, and so he was asked relevant questions about that and the influence of social media, but not just social media, Ollie. It was about other things to do with mental health, wasn't it? And so he made a series of comments, left it at that. Obviously, we played Burton. Then a whole week goes past, and then we have the the BBC doing a pre match article on the game for Peterborough. Maybe it was just an article just about. Um, it was just about um, basically that, and the headline was easily, easily offended players should advise to stay off social media. Yeah, no context whatsoever. No. So initially, I read it and, and I thought I read it and I was like, "What's what's this all about?" One, why is this a story? It's a bit mm. embarrassing. Two, why why have we got players worrying about social media? Is it really that bad? You you start to worry about all the things that the implications of just that piece in context. Sorry, that piece out of context meant. And I I put a few things on Twitter, but. Mm. To be fair to him, Whitfield, he did come on straight away to make people aware of it. I'd not seen the article last week. We'd, I'm not sure every fan reads everything the football club put out. To be fair, and and it was clearly taken out of context. And so it, it was. It was. I think there's two things about it. One, isn't it? Is it's a bit rum for the press to do that. And two, the general vibe, Ollie, you wanted to have a think about social media and the impact it can have on footballers. I suppose. Yeah, the impact it can have on anyone. Um, I mm. think, and I think you no. Know, the the whole context was that it was about mind and Omar Beckles and the work he's been doing. Um, yep. On Sam Ricketts was kind of keen to say that you know there's been a lot of progress about mental health and football, um, and then he was saying basically the negative comments if it impacts when you should stay off social media and I think that's true for everyone. You know yeah. you see it um, even post this, the win on Saturday you had people who wanted to go online to have a go at people who have been negative about the fact the team keep losing. 
Yeah. So you've got that. that kind of like, you know, talk to and fro in and, you know, you know, we have on this podcast, we discuss players' performances and mistakes and, you know, waterfall comes to mind. And yeah, mm. and I think it's true. You know, if you, if you don't like that, I remember reading um, or watching some programs about some guy, sports um, professional talking about um, how he was, you know, advising players to not go off. And he'd heard about this young professional that played for England, like England football level um international level and and he was saying that he was staying up a line at night watching and reading comments about him um and that you know rather than sleeping and you know anyone that's going to get negative comments there's a lot of debate about it online wasn't there glenn with your twitter account as well so yeah yeah i mean i you know as i I said my context is i hadn't seen the the way the place that that had come from initially so you know like everything (laughs) i automatically fly off the handle about everything that's who I am on Twitter, and, and that's fine, but it's a reactionary thought about my football club. But I, I was happy enough to put a, a, a disclaimer out there to say, look, I've seen where this is from now, and I completely think it's unfair for anyone to have a go at Ricketts about what he said, and also it's completely ridiculous the BBC to say that, and I hope the football club It seemed said, a bit unnecessary, an article to completely. post at the time. Mm. It wasn't even linked to mine. There was no context for me. It was a very poorly um, structured um, article, and almost just was like a bit of a clickbait article, um, building up to a really key match for Shrewsbury, which is you know, you'd normally expect BBC Shropshire to have, you know, a positive working relationship with the club. So, yeah, interesting one. And on social media, it's tricky for me to comment too much on it because probably I'm a, I'm, I'm a negative towards players more than most people have been this season, purely because, you know, I've got maybe a wider platform on Twitter than some people do have because I've got the Blue and Amber fanzine account. And, and I can understand why people say it, it can be a negative thing and, and what you've just flagged up, Ollie, is a fair point, I suppose. I would say at the end of the day that no one forces anyone to read anything on social media and I think that young generations are so addicted to it that it is impossible to turn it off and I think coming from my generation I maybe don't see that sometimes. I come from a message board generation where Mm. I don't perceive anything that we've ever put on Twitter to be any different to what we talked about on Blue and Amber message board in 2002-2003. Now maybe it was still just as destructive or problematic to people back then but it wasn't as accessible. I think maybe there is some discussion or some thought for people of our generation to maybe take a step back and think about it. However, I am very keen to keep what I say online, to be honest, and I think most people should say that. And factual. And factual. Yeah. And if I don't think a player is very good, you know, I've battered the shot this season because I think he's a very poor player in the League One. I'm not saying he's a crap footballer. He could be decent in the conference. You know, is that is that the sort of bullying or mentality of things that we shouldn't be talking about, Ollie? I suppose there's a difference between calling someone total shit and and then saying, oh, they're just not a very good player. I can understand that vibe, but it it is a very difficult question. I am, but I'm very inclined to think that who's to, who's to, who's the gatekeeper for what language can and can't be used in 2019. But, but it's like I said, you know, and I, I've said this a couple of times. I do say this to people who start ranting and raving off, and all right, maybe I do. It's so maybe I'm throwing stones yeah, at houses, but. Without getting too political and too silly about this, there is something called freedom of speech, okay? Let's use that as the baseline for this. And the reason I I believe we fought a couple of world wars was, (laughs) was because we actually wanted to keep that. Now, you have to be careful, you know, with the audiences you have and who Mm. you speak to. But it's quite right, you know, in the message board days, you know, everybody would fly off the handle because they take it that this audience that you were speaking to or about or being called out from was global when actually, in matter of fact, it's probably two, three hundred people tops, you know. And I think... You know, I saw some comments yesterday about yourself, Glyn, that apparently you had an agenda. Now, that, that you know, is almost getting libelous if you, if you want to take it to that degree. Yeah. But, again, it's a comment. To, and, again, I'd say to everybody, look, 
keep your social media factual. It's your opinion. You're allowed an opinion in this country, mm. and they told you're not fine. But let's keep it all factual. And if you're stating an opinion, make that opinion. But you know, That's don't crucify I find... somebody. I, I might crucify Luke Waterfall, but I still applaud the guy when he does something amazing. Yeah, so do I. That's exactly and that, fair. That's, that's, that's not setting an agenda, is it? No, and I think, and a lot of this comes down to how you personally interact with social media, Ollie, for me, because you know we can talk about the players getting grief. Let's be honest, Ollie, you've had a lot of grief on social media over various issues. So, so, so have I. So it was probably aid over yeah. the years for, for things we've all said that not everyone's going to agree with. And I suppose it depends on what you are as a person. If if you don't care, which I don't, it doesn't ever really bother me. But I can understand why it does bother people. And I think that's the perception that maybe I miss. And I'm, I'm, I can be honest about that, is that it doesn't bother me. And so my assumption is, why would it bother anyone? But I, I think maybe taking a step back sometimes, I can understand why it is. But still, I, I still feel like... it all comes like... back to, let's be honest, a, a quite a sensible comment from Ricketts. If you don't like it and you struggle with that, stay exactly. off. <laughs> which exactly. is a personal choice. And yeah, it's a personal choice to make comments about politics and football as it is to make, um, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I think Abe's point about, yeah, don't be libelous. And yeah, that thread about you've got an agenda as if like you want the team to lose, which is quite ironic because you're so upset and are making comments because we lost. So yeah, it's, it's fun. People yeah, make I, interpretations I, quite quickly. I've yeah, spent I've spent tens of thousands of pounds following Shrewsbury Town across the country in the last ten years because I want them to lose. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, my I, agenda, guys. Just just get that in your heads. That's what I'm all I'm about. I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> Christ Almighty, I, I would call over hot coals for us to see us this season. I'm desperate for us to get a win yeah. Saturday, and um, yeah, it's a bit crazy. So that's the point. Is is it's like you know I can be accused of doing something which I get back, and then you start to think about whether that you just think about that dichotomy of that, and yeah. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe, it's maybe an interesting point. Over time. People want to join this conversation. Please, yeah, post yeah. us on on Twitter and on Saddlecast and the Blue and Amber fans. And we'd be interested to get other people's views on this this topic because yeah, it's an interesting one, especially is where we are in today's. Yeah, social media society. I'm also saying to Bex that it's almost, yeah, it's it's, it's so common now that people have these voices. It's become the norm. So yeah, it's interesting. It's not going anywhere. That's no. that's the thing, Ollie. It's not going anywhere. It's, no. it's it's here to stay. And quite how it develops beyond what it is now is the thing that I start to think about. Is what's next? How how you know how much social interaction can there be? You know, and and what will it be like? But who knows? We'll have to stay on the cutting edge of it and see what happens. But talking I think let's leave it there. Go on. Talking yes, predictions, predictions. We got them wrong. Uh, yeah, well, I went for a draw, you went for a defeat. Um, yeah, I thought we were going to get won, So that was no points for us, but three points for Shrewsbury. Um, That's good enough for me. Yeah, which is brings us into our next prediction. So we've got Doncaster at home on Tuesday night. Um, so mm-hmm. that's a massive game and they're in the playoffs, so that's going to be a tough match. Um, and then after that, the prediction, which we'll do again as always, is Saturday, which is a home title in Wimbledon, um, which is an absolutely ginormous game, Eddie. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. I, Tuesday, I think as long as we don't lose, I think that's a good good result. Mm-hmm. But then whatever happens next Saturday, we have to win that game. Yeah, that's however, however the goals go in, whatever happens... We've got Doesn't to beat matter. Wimbledon because Wimbledon are bottom of the table, twenty nine points, um, and it's a massive, massive, uh, massive, massive game um, because yeah, it's going to get tight. It's going to continue to get tight, and it's an opportunity for us to if we get as in, like you said, if we get a point or more on Tuesday and then win, then we'll be not out of it, but we we're, the destiny's on our own hands then, and we really want to be in that position. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think looking at Doncaster's results, they're, they're sort of on a little bit of a blip. All right, they'd be looking at the two away games when they scunthorpe. You know, I think they probably go there and think, yeah, a point's a good result. I think as well, probably coming here, they probably get, you know, a point at least. Mm, yeah. So I, I think, for me, if we come out of that game with a point, 
brilliant. If we come out with more, brilliant. If we lose it, it ranks up the pressure a little bit, doesn't it, against Wimbledon? Uh, but Wimbledon, you know, whatever you're doing next Saturday, everybody get yourself down to the new meadow. Yeah, it is, that's very true, actually, Ollie. Yeah, Ollie um, Aid, we should try and pack out the meadow for Wimbledon. It's a, it's one of the biggest games for a long time. You know, it's, it, it's particularly this season. And they're going to all be big, aren't they? But it's, it's a game against a team that are not very good, and we should be able to maybe blow away if we it's play. It's a our game best, that but... we need the fans, and I'd say just another point as well. People have been saying this, you know, because there's criticism online, the fans haven't been supporting the team, and I'll, I'll say that was. So, that's what was true. the atmosphere no, like? Because at Bristol Rovers, the fans were really, really supportive. Fantastic, yeah. Imagine Brilliant. the same at Peterborough. Yeah, there was a lot of good. There was some ironic chanting when we were one nil down uh, with, with, with the song "Sang Ripkits as a Dream," and sort of ends up with us going into League Two. But that was normal Shrewsbury Town gallows humour chanting. Yeah, exactly. But I tell you what, the rest of the game, absolutely, the the guys were getting behind. Um, a really good atmosphere, really positive, and. Um, yeah, that's what we need on Saturday. We, do. we need it on Tuesday as well. We do. One of the issues I would flag up is I think that, you know, we did talk about the atmosphere at Burton where there was a degree of apathy towards the end. And I think that it's it's easier to get it positive away from home sometimes because mm. you're all in it together. Yeah. You've travelled there. You don't want to feel like you've gone all the way there just to get turned over. Um, yeah, there is still sometimes a little bit of a... When we've been poor in this bad run, there's been a few home games where it's been a bit of a struggle to to get that atmosphere going in the whole ground. So yeah, that's what we want against Wimbledon. So hopefully that's what happens, and I'll certainly be singing my heart out. But um, I'd, I'd go beyond what you two said. I, I, if we could guarantee winning against Wimbledon, but maybe you'd have to take a loss against Doncaster. I'd take that. I'd take three points this week after getting three this week, just to keep that truck rolling on with a win here and there. I, I think I'd be all right with that. I, I wouldn't. I'm not going to fly off the handle if we lose to Doncaster unless it's heavy and embarrassing. I think. You'd have to beat Wimbledon, though, to make that okay. Yeah. So I, I could take three points this week, Ollie. And in terms of the Doncaster game, I think we probably will end up getting a draw, however. And for Wimbledon, I think we'll end up winning. And I think we'll win. I think it might be something where we finally put a whole lot of demons to bed, red, uh, to bed and win 3 0. Uh, Wimbledon are not doing very well. No. Nope. I'm going to go for a 2 0 victory for Shrewsbury. Okay. What would you go for, Aid? 3 0. No, I was thinking 3 before you said it. I just went. feel like oh, yeah, it's got to feel... happen at some point yeah. between now and the end of the season where we will have a proper good game where we just blow someone away. I, I feel like we haven't done that all season other than Barnes. Because we've been crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very true. But yeah, we haven't blown anyone away, have we? There was a, there was a, a couple of. Obviously, it was a game against Rochdale at the start of the season where we scored a few goals, but it was 3 2, wasn't it? So again, it was quite tight. And they conceded over um, 70 this season. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's look forward forward to that. I mean, I went. We went. I went to Wimbledon. I don't know if you were there, Aid, but yeah. that was a tight game up until Waterfall's intervention near the end. Um, and we could easily have lost that game, in all mm. honesty. But I think they've got worse since then. They obviously got rid of uh, um, they got rid of their manager, uh, and like us, things didn't really improve for them. No, so no. they were in a similar boat to us until recently. So yeah, it's a key game and one one. I hope we we win and um, win comfortably, Ollie. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So yeah, yeah there Thanks we go. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, thanks yep. Aid very much for joining us always great to have you on the pod no problem yep and Thank yes you. cheers for cheers for being you as usual Ollie and uh, yeah, we'll catch everyone next Sunday good luck with your time mate cheers <laughs> cheers <laughs> shut up you're so mean Ollie so mean oh!